horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, so glad you're back to join us. I greatly appreciate it and uh, hope we give you a good show. I think so, because we've got an excellent lineup waiting for you. First guest, his name's Tim Ham. He's been on the show a couple times over the years and uh, just like Tommy Drury used to be and uh I can't say this guy's flying under the radar anymore because he's probably training the second best filly in the country with a day out of the office. Now, you may recall uh, this daughter of Into Mischief uh, last year won the Schuylerville, which was when it was a grade three, and the Frazette, a grade one, and she finished 2020 with a close second. Uh, in the Breeders' Cup Phillies Emirates to ViQuest, who won the Eclipse Award. So we're going to find out about uh, Tim's, uh, you know, business-like approach uh, to uh, the horse business. And I really want to find out about this daughter of Into Mischief. And it's just another one that he got um, through uh, his ability to put together partnerships, which uh, is something we've always uh, talked about when Tim has been on the show. So, uh, anyhow, Tim's going to be our first guest, and our second guest will be none other than Byron King, the king of the cappers from Louisville. Things are heating up on the Derby Points program, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. I mean, uh, we're we're through the first part of of the series uh, in which, uh, you know, the the points were – so you say a little bit less. We're not all the way through it, but uh, those are the 10, 4, 2, 1 uh, points. Right now, we're getting to the the championship series, and the points that are given out for the Oaks and Derby races uh, will be 50, 20, 10, and 5. So basically, 50 points, <laughs> winning your in, I would have to say, <clears throat> would be uh, uh, the correct assumption. So... Uh, now that we're get, we're getting more uh, the risen star, which is a fifty twenty ten five race, uh, will come to us from the fairgrounds. It's going to be I think they call it Louisiana Championship Day. There's going to be some really good races, but uh, we we pared it down to three, and that'll be the Grade Two risen star, and. Uh, this, uh, as always, uh, draws together really uh, good horses, and I'm looking forward to seeing who Byron King likes in this one because it's kind of a tough one to ferret out a mile and an eighth. So most of these horses will be doing something that they've never done before. A lot of attention will go on the Lacompte winner at the fairgrounds, and that is Midnight Bourbon. And again, 400000 on the line. Then the race just before that will be the Rachel Alexandra, and that is at a mile and a 16th. This is a big points race for 
Phillies pointing to the Kentucky Oaks, and this has been a very, very key race over the years. So uh, I'll be uh, looking forward to seeing who can get this done. We've got, um, let's see, the top three finishers in the Silver Bullet Day will be matching strides again. Then I thought we'd stay at the fairgrounds um, in the 10th race. It's the 200,000 grade three mine shaft, a mile and a 16th. And it's going to be an interesting match between Wells Bayou, who won the Louisiana Derby last year, and the, albeit lightly raced, but undefeated horse, Maxfield. So that's a look at the races we will be looking at this week. And we'll be handicapping them with... None other than the king of the cappers, Byron King. Okay, that's the guest lineup. Now let's take a look at how we've done recent days with our winning ponies easy win forms. And let's see, uh, recent winners at Aqueduct, Gulfstream, Tampa Bay Downs. We'll start at Tampa Bay. It was a $1 Super 5 that paid $1,360. At Gulfstream, also a $1 Super 5 box was $1,504. Let's go to a 50 cent pick four at Aqueduct, and that returned just over $2,000. If you don't believe me, come on over to Winning Ponies because we update our results daily, and you can check it out. Those are the easy win forms, and with all this racing from all over the country, we're all going to need all the help we can get. That's where you can go to get it. All right. On the national news front, This was good news. The Kentucky Senate has approved the historical horse racing bill. As you know, we had uh, Senator Damon Thayer on two weeks ago. And so right now, next step is the legislation will go to the Kentucky House for consideration. And as I understand it, Governor Bashir has already said that if that comes across his desk, he will be signing it. So... uh, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, the supporters noting the importance uh, of protecting the state jobs and thoroughbred racing, as well as the agriculture jobs and so many tied to the industry. Uh, the Senate's getting it now. And uh, the bill was approved just two days ago. <coughs> so very happy about that, as are a lot of people at the Kentucky horse farms and the Kentucky racetracks. Uh, let's also look at a guy that uh, passed on at 75, used to listen to him all the time, Naira race caller Marshall Cassidy has passed away. He really was accurate and even keeled uh, with, with his delivery. And uh, he had a lot of families uh, in there. Now, he called from 79 to 90. And uh, then later he served as a patrol judge and placing judge when he was kind of retired. And uh, was a member of Naira's elite fraternity track announcer. He was the backup announcer to Dave Johnson and Chick Anderson. He took over again after Anderson's death in 79. He called races on air for CBS, ABC, NBC, ESPN. And then a guy by the name of Tom Durkin came in and took his place in 1990. So he truly will be missed and certainly a part of uh, history in New York and uh, just had a res- resident baritone uh 
timber to his voice. Uh, I know he's very well respected by Durkin and John and Brielle, and his call of easygoers, Belmont Stakes, will be remembered forever. So, uh, uh, Marshall Cassidy, with us no longer, 75, not that old, really. Okay, we are going to maybe look at some of the races at Oaklawn. That's not going to happen. The Southwest Stake was carded for... Uh, Monday, but uh, anyhow, you're seeing it. If you've watched the national news, extreme cold temperatures, possibility of ice around Hot Springs, Arkansas. The Oaklawn Park has canceled live racing from Saturday through Monday, and they're going to be rescheduled all the graded stakes races. Um, so uh, the, the Bayacoa, the Razorback, uh, the Grade 3 Southwest, they've been pushed back now to Saturday, February 20th, while the Dixie Bell and Down the Dusty Road will be run Sunday, February 21st, fingers crossed. So uh, we'll be able to watch Oaklawn, and my buddy Ed Meyer called me, and it looks like uh, Turfway Park has announced that they're going to be closed for at least the next two days. And we'll see what happens with Saturday. Things are not good in Kentucky right now. Because if it's not snow, uh, there's some predicted heavy ice storms uh, that are that are going to be coming. So uh, here's some bad news for the Bob Baffert barn. Gamine was DQ'd from the Kentucky Oaks. She ran third after testing positive for betamethasone, which is an anti-inflammatory medication. It's a Class C drug, and Baffert got a $1,500 fine. I'm sure he's got that in his wallet. And uh, But anyhow, the, the horse will no longer get credit for finishing third in the classic Kentucky Oaks. Our Jackie of the Week, Junior Alvarado. He uh, traveled from his winter base in Gulfstream to Tampa Bay Downs for their festival preview day and won two other graded stakes races to earn Jockey of the Week. <laughs> okay, let's take a look at the races we handicapped last week with Matt Bernier. And uh, just want to remind everybody that Matt's got his uh, show that you can listen to all the recap of the races we talked about, and he really does a great analysis. Anyhow, at Aqueduct, the Withers, I was extremely impressed with the horse that we both liked, and that was risk-taking. As we said, he liked the distance. He liked the change to blinkers. <clears throat> His buyer figures were getting faster and faster, and now he has scored twice at a mile and an eighth. He's a son of Medaglia de Oro, trained by Chad Brown, very impressive. In the second spot was Overtook, the million-dollar baby. He was last most of the way, just couldn't figure out what was going on, and all of a sudden uh, put in a good rally late uh, to get second in the Derby Prep, the Withers. Then Derby Prep down south <clears throat> at uh, Tampa, the Sampa, Sam F. Davis, and the winner in there, trained by Bill Mott, Candyman Rocket, 
best his stablemate, Nova Rag. So Bill Mott says he's going to try to keep these two separated. Candyman Rocket just pulled away in the stretch and then held on. Uh, Nova Rabs, uh, Rags had only came back after three weeks rest and put in a solid effort. Then out at Santa Anita, a race that Bob Baffert has won 10 times. Ding, 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 ding. Let's make it 11. Concert tour in a head bob over stablemate freedom fighter who is very game to the wire uh so remember those two these are three-year-old codes they only stretched out to seven furlongs but don't be surprised if you don't see them down the road and then uh the uh, santa Anita, the grade two san marcos went to master of hounds who was the slight favorite had a slight bobble coming out of the gate uh Joel Rosario, man, he's been riding good out of the West Coast. He just tracked him in second and put in a game finish to outlast uh, the other, actually, the actual favorite, uh, Acclimate, who was put on the lead, wasn't asked, and tried his best to hang in there. And uh, a legendary prep race for the Oaks is the Las Virginas, and the winner in there, very impressive, Richard Mandela trainee, Moonlight. Dioro, a horse that uh, Matt and I both backed in our picks last week. So that was over Calypso that a lot of people thought was the horse to beat. All right, that's a look at the national news, the race action from last week. And it's time now for us to take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Tim Ham, who uh, trains potentially the best filly in the land we'll find out i thought she was the best two-year-old i'm john Engelhart. you're listening to winning ponies streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 1 866 472 5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. 
All right, and with me right now, uh, a man that I've been friends with for, I'm going to say, close to 20 years now. Uh, I got to see him come up through the ranks, and uh, now he's on the biggest stage of all with Day Out of the Office, uh, who got him there this year. He's got some other good ones, I'll tell you that. His name is Tim Ham. Tim, how does the night find you? John, everything's well. It's always great to talk with you, and uh, an old friend's great to hear from. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, I was so happy to see you being the, the profile on the uh, the Blood Horse site. Uh, Meredith Doherty wrote a really good story about Tim that's going to be in this month's issue. This is how it starts. I'm sure she wouldn't mind me quoting her because it's the basis of a lot of the questions I'm going to ask Tim. It, is He has a construction background, okay? So what she said was, in the life cycle of any construction project, there are always five key phases – Initiation, planning, implementation, execution and performance, monitoring, and closing. While there are always unforeseen variables, setbacks, changes in design or direction, each piece is necessary to ensure the final product. Once it's completed, it's successful. For trainer Tim Ham, this model is as familiar as the steps are reliable. The former owner and operator of a successful construction company, Ham has spent a lifetime moving from one phase to the next, building a career in the thoroughbred industry that has helped him, his partners, and their horses reach the highest peaks of the game. I know that was a mouthful, but that was so well written. I agree, John. I thought it was very well written, and uh, uh, a lot of the stuff she said really hit home there in that first paragraph. Well, you know, it, it, it's all about, you, you, as you know, as a former athlete, um, the, uh, you know, it's repetition, it's dedication, it, it, it's doing things over and over until you get the best at it. And you put the same philosophy as far as building blocks into what you did with racing. And uh, it, it was nice to see, uh, you know, them uh, delve into your early relationship uh, with your father, who not only worked at General Motors, but, you know, tinkered in the game and played over at Mountaineer. You would help with those horses. And then how you and your brother Tom kind of came up in the industry. And really, both of you were on the big stage right now. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's been quite a process. And you're right. It started from building block one, and we just added to it. And uh, it's progressed along the way. And it's funny you mentioned the, the hard work and uh and and how monotonous it can be. Uh, I tell a lot of people, they'll say, what are you doing? I say, well, we're breaking these babies. It's almost like watching grass grow. It's just such a long, slow process to get a yearling to the point to race as a two-year-old. So all that is really accurate. You know, I must have been asleep at the wheel when this happened, but uh, I, I know you started going to the horse sales, and uh, you've come away with some gems, and, of course, you bred some uh, gems of your own. Um uh, too much bling. What was a homebred, wasn't he, Tim? He he was, John. He was a homebred. And I think he was out one of the earliest horses you got in Rose Colored Lady. I remember her winning at River Downs. Well, our first stakes winner for me as a trainer, and uh, um, that was the second crop. I bought a, a crop of one two-year-old. I think it was ninety-three or ninety-four. And the next year, I went and bought four. Rose Colored Lady was in that that group of four. By the way, um, three of the four were stakes winners. The fourth one may have been Iron Lines of Lore, but it was a, uh, a little bit of beginner's luck there with that second crop, including Rose Colored Lady was in it. 
Now, something that I really was asleep at the wheel was that you were the first to discover wait a while for 50000 and then you offered her the following year uh, under the your banner, Blazing Meadows, uh, as a two-year-old's mm-hmm. a training, she, she was purchased for over a quarter million, and then wait a while, went on to win the Eclipse Award in 2006 as the champion three-year-old filly, and uh, I had no idea that, that she passed through your hands. Oh, I thought you knew that, John. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, uh, A big gray uh, scopey filly that uh, we liked at the September sale, and uh, she panned out to be great. The next year... Uh, not jumping ahead, but the next year there was a filly named Sky Diva and up being her name. To me, she was Wait a While in a brown wrapper, and that's what I told. Clisaris was the underbidder on Wait a While. Of course, Arendelle Farm through Todd Pletcher bought her, and Steve and I are friends. He comes back the next year, and he's looking at this filly, big chestnut filly. I said, Steve, that's Wait a While in a brown wrapper. Don't pass her. It's when he had Puglisi as an owner, and uh, sure enough, they bought her, and it was Steve's First grade one winner. I don't know if he's had other sense, but I know it was his first. Wow, that, that's fantastic. Well, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's great because once again, Tim, and I've watched you do this your whole career, uh, you're bringing people into the game. And, <clears throat> and you're selling a quality product. And what's interesting is a lot of these, you know, you've got the ability to identify or breed, you know, stakes horses is that you will actually sometimes race them a couple times before you bring in your partners. Correct. Yeah. We'll, um, a lot along the way, we, um, a lot of people sell first at the yearling at the two-year-old sales. We're fortunate enough to have a, a plan B or a plan one a where we'll go, uh, some of our nicer horses we take and run, and then we'll partner off a race, which, um, which makes it a little unique. A lot of people don't have that option. Um, um, we all have our own business plans, and that to us has been a real key to to not ever be under the fire per se. We never have a drop dead date when this horse has to go. So the ones that are best at the two year old training cells, that's great. We do it there. The ones that aren't, we certainly have the option to go ahead and race and form partnerships after. So it's been a kind of a unique niche that took a while to to um, to get to this point, but it works really well. Well, the eye opening partnership of yours that happened i'm going to guess about six years ago was your partnership with winstar can you tell us about that because i think you and winstar are going to dominate the program in ohio for many years to come yeah i sure will john actually that that partnership got its early roots around the time i was selling wait a while on sky diva elliot walden come around um uh to the callers when the two-year-old training sale in miami was at calder Elliot and I talked a little bit there. I think shortly after that, it was very small and in in, uh, early stages, but I think they sent me a horse that following year. Had a little bit of luck. I know we had Bluegrass Cats first winner. Um, uh, Actually won at River, and he ran, I think, third or fourth in the cradle. So sure, it doesn't hurt to have one of their freshman sires first winners. Then it just slowly progressed from there to the um, breeding partnerships we do now two of which, Blazing Meadows and Windstar, which is simply that. It's the two two companies together. We take our mares and breed to their stallions, and <clears throat> we partner on the uh, resulting foals. And a new one as of three years ago is Windblaze, which is we own everything together, stallions, mares, um, and that's more geared towards our accredited program in Ohio. 
Well, what's great about you, Tim, in these partnerships is you're one-stop shopping. Uh, the example with, with Windblaze, uh, you guys partnered on the mares. They brought a what I believe is a really nice graded stakes winning stallion by Spitestown, who couldn't be much hotter than any stud in the country right now, national flag. So you can fold these babies at your farm. You can watch them grow up and then move them on to your training center in Ocala. And then a guy by the name of Tim Ham goes on to train them through their career. I mean, what an edge that is on the competition, Tim. It really is great, John, to see one from A to Z and have them under your control the whole time. Know the positives, the negatives, the you know the things you need to work on, the things you don't. And, and I think it's a huge edge. I, I got to agree with you on that one. And it's been a, a a good advantage for us to be able to do all that, and also be able to do it in the confines of some nice weather down in Florida during their winter training. <laughs> Rub my nose in it. I'm supposed to be down there on Monday, and my producer just told me that Biden came on and announced no more transport, no more flights to or from Florida. I'm what? Like, this guy's yeah. got to have his freaking mind. I'm supposed to come up there this week. I, <laughs> I guess the bet's on the radio. You got my opinion. <laughs> oh, oh, my producer just Are got me. Are you serious? He just came on and texted me. He said, they're not exactly there yet, but they're thinking about it. So, wow. Keep an eye, wow. you know. Uh, I, I don't know why he's picking. Well, I, I think Florida, they went ahead and passed some legislation already that he wasn't crazy about. But, hey, I've had enough politics. That's it. Now, so I'm with you. Talking, I won't say nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we've talked about Windstar, but. I, I think I think just as you, you, you winning all those races uh, with babies that you produced at Blazing Meadows, um, just as uh, Windstar noticed you, now you're partnering up with operations like Three Chimneys, um, uh, Watercrest Farm, yeah, yeah Watercrest, and, and and one one of the one of your favorites right now is uh, is Sienna Farm. Uh, I know you've trained a handful of yearlings, and uh, you did 50-50 par- partnerships. But tell me about, that. first of all, Into Mischief is like the new northern dancer. Um, w- day out of the office. I, I remember it, somewhere in the story was, you know, some of the guys from Sienna came by and when she was in, in training. And uh, you, you, you kind of gave a nod and a wink that – yeah, I think she's uh, something special. So you sensed it at an early age? Well, we did, John. She was, uh, you know, again, the, some of these fillies, they, they repeat the way they look, and she really had the uh, the scope, the attitude, the look of like a wait a while on a Sky Diva. And um, we actually had three fillies we pinpointed last winter. And uh, you're not always right, but uh, I'd say myself and Scooter Davis were both uh, dead on on these three. We we independently we would both like the same three fillies and they were day out of the office alexandria and esplanade um and uh we felt day out of the office was the best of the three at the time and uh up to now it's proven to be the case and uh she's been outstanding it's been a, a real pleasure for us to be able to handle her and be around her for the last two years well, it's kind of exciting because uh the, the obvious uh, uh first uh uh let's say uh jewel that you hope, hope to unearth with her would be the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, what, it, how is she doing? 
what are you doing with her, and when might we see her at the races? She's training forward, John. As you saw how we handled Dale the office last year, it was very uh, carefully, and, and, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves with a filly of that quality. So we don't have a first start exactly circled. Uh, uh, I, the Devonna Dale, uh, she's nominated for, I think it's a little quicker than I'd like to get her started. It's a long year. We like to culminate on Breeders' Cup Day, which I'll throw a, a bang into Ohio there. You know, I've always said our program emulates the national scene better than any state-bred program in America. So, as you know, our best of Ohio is the end of the year. <clears throat> so is the Breeders' Cup. And I know if we get geared up too, too early, that, that could be a, a hard feat to, uh, to stay the course the whole year. So we're just going to kind of take her week by week and, uh, um, you know, it could be an Oakland race. Of course, they got the Honey Bee. They've got the Fantasy. Uh, the Ashland could even be the first starting point, which is back in April. Still leaves us time for the Oaks. But we will definitely let her progress and, and train, and uh, we'll pull the trigger when uh, when we feel she's ready. Now, you had her over the winter. Obviously, you had her as a two-year-old. You won a couple of graded stakes with her. Um, uh, how has she developed physically or mentally or both? I'm going to tell you, that Philly Melly is a blessing. She's always been absolutely perfect. She eats every oat every day. She's a jet, uh, lady on the racetrack. Um, and physically, she's, of course, grown, uh, puts a little more balance, a little more body, a little, a little more all that. She's already a big scopey Philly, so couldn't be more happy with, with how she's progressed over the winter from uh, a development standpoint. Uh, you, you kind of developed a little bit of a rivalry there with the with the Eclipse Award winner, and quite frankly, if people go back and look at the races, when all said and done, you're only about a length behind that Viquist. And had things been a little bit different in the Breeders' Cup, you would have been accepting that Eclipse Award trophy. Uh, we're pretty partial on this end, John, and I, I love your words, and uh, and I'd like to agree with you on all that, but. Uh... Having said that, Viquist won on Championship Day, and I got to hand it to her. But it is a good rivalry, and we're uh, very excited uh, to be able to continue it this year. And and uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a competitor. You know, my roots are sports, and uh, I'm looking very forward to the competition. And this should be a great rivalry. Well, that that's fantastic, Tim. So, how do you? I mean, with the breeding farm, with, with the training farm going to the sales, and then having to train horses. Uh, how do you fit this into a daily or weekly schedule? Well, first off, we've got a great staff, very good assistants, very good farm manager in Ohio, and actually two farm managers in Florida. Um, even though Scooter Davis is the overall farm manager, it's broken up into divisions down there. But we've got great help. They work 10, 12, 14 hours a day. When the, when the work calls, they're there. Um, and that's really the key to it, just having great help that's willing to do it for more than the paycheck because that's what this business requires. You've got to have a love for it. You've got to have a drive. You've got to want to be somewhere else. So I'm sure we're stepping stones for a lot of these younger people that don't want to go out and do it on their own, and I'll be glad to teach them and glad to be part of that. want everyone to be successful, but that's, that's our main key. Uh, we all put in a lot of hours, and we're all dedicated. But, I mean, you, as kind of the general manager of this team, um, how, do, how do you pace yourself? Is, is this a little bit of a downtime where you get to work with the babies and you're not that busy uh, at the day-to-day backstretch things? It is, John. During the winter, I love working with the babies. It's our lifeblood. 
Um, I get to spend a lot of time in Ocala, and I really enjoy it. Um, not at the tracks quite as much through the winter. I do get to Tampa uh, quite a bit each week. Um, stop by, you know, I get the Turfway some, and, of course, we have a few handful up in Mahoning. We'll start gearing that up in about 10 days. But it is. It's a time where I get to uh, spend a lot of time in Ocala, be around the babies, which I think, again, is our is our main uh, substance of going forward. All right. I've only got about a minute left. But, hey, Tim, let's take a second to toot their horn about a kid I got pictures riding a pony at River Downs about 15 years ago, your son Shane. The kid's awesome. John, I appreciate you bringing that up. It is indeed uh, a big part of my pleasure in life. Uh, watch him play football. Watch him enjoy it. Watch him prosper. Um, he's a self-motivated kid when it comes to that. And uh, had a great high school career, and we're looking forward to college. It, it keeps me young and keeps me with something to do on Friday and Saturdays. Um, <clears throat> forgive me if I lost count, but I think he's won three state championships. He has. It's been three state t- titles. Had a 50-3 and three record as a starting quarterback in high school, and uh, I don't think you could ask for much more than that. No, and, and by the way, uh, Tim's son is the quarterback, so uh, uh, we'll, we'll be watching him down the road, and I look forward to it, and uh, <clears throat> I trust we'll be crossing, crossing paths uh, a, a little bit the next couple of years, and uh, y- y- you know I'll be supporting you, Tim. Well, listen, thanks for taking time out of your busy busy schedule and spending time with us tonight and uh we'll be watching all your horses but uh in particular day out of the office is the headliner right now from the ham barn and uh, i'm really psyched to see uh the direction she takes as a three-year-old john i always really enjoy talking to you i appreciate it all and I look forward to uh enjoying a football game in dayton ohio with you down the road absolutely and then dinner at the pine club after my brother you got it. I'm in. You're going to love that. Okay. Thanks so much. That was Tim Ham uh, giving us the background on his, his roots, his operation, and uh, some of the better horses that uh, he's had uh, contact with uh, throughout his, uh, his career, which con- continues to just keep on rising. And I wish him nothing but the best. All right. Well, that was Tim Ham. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to delve into some Derby and Oaks Points races with the King of the Cappers, none other than Byron King. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, 
and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full field with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show, Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, none other than uh, the Blood Horses Associate Editor, Byron King, who uh, is uh, a Louisville native, and of course, the races we're going to look at will uh, more likely uh, be launching Stars of Tomorrow uh, that will be appearing in Louisville on the first Friday and Saturday in May, God willing. And with us right now is Byron King from the Blood Horse. How are you, my friend? I'm great, John. It's hard to imagine we're less than three months away from the Kentucky Derby. It's like 20 degrees outside with snow on the ground and ice and everything else. It's uh, hard to imagine, but spring will be here in the blink of an eye. 20 degrees? Hell, you in Florida? Exactly, (laughs) man. Well, maybe it's 20 in my basement. Man, I don't know. Oh, oh, it, there you go. It's yeah. rather chilly. I tell you what, it's it's days like this that you really make you appreciate those hardworking horsemen that are taking care of these horses out in the out in the elements because of that cannot be easy. No, and uh, our friend Jenny Reese has done a great job at uh, you know interviewing people with the Historical Horse Racing Act. Uh, you know. Uh, in the wings, although uh, Kentucky took a nice step forward with the Senate approving the uh, HHR racing bill this week, and now I guess it goes to the Kentucky House. And actually, literally moments, well, not moments ago, maybe 30, 40 minutes ago, the House passed it, uh, and it will go now to the governor for his signature, which he's expected to sign it. He's long been a supporter of historical horse racing. Uh, but one of the things the House membership talked about is they, they want to revise the, the taxes from it. It has not been a huge money maker for the state over the years, and they would like it to contribute a little more to, um, you know, our depleted state funds, understandably. And apparently Churchill and other track executives have, you know, agreed to um, – to further that discussion. So it looks like uh, the language has been clarified, which will uh, likely protect the industry uh, a bit in the historical horse racing gaming devices. Though I'm sure those opponents will uh, no doubt uh, pursue in court um, their options. Okay. 
Okay, um, you're fading in out a little bit, Byron. How about that late breaking news here on winning ponies that within an hour the bill has gone through? That is fantastic news. And he's already gone on record, Governor Bashir, saying if it hits my desk, I'm going to sign it. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure where I cut out there, pal, but that's essentially what I said. And uh, I'm sure it will face a legal challenge going forward from its opponents. Uh, But one of the things they also discussed today uh, was restructuring the taxes on it so that it can contribute more to the state. It's had a pretty easy tax um, burden on it over the years, and they want to raise that to, to raise some money for the state, which understandably in the midst of the uh, economy we're currently in, they're, they're a little strapped for fun. Yeah, and uh, excuse me, but, that, you know, that's the state's direct deposit that they're getting. What about the jobs and the employment and the goods and services and all that horse racing provides? I'm not even touching on the importance to the breeding industry in Kentucky. I mean, it's, oh, you know, it's if mammoth. It's, I mean, you think about... You know, even if you are not, if you're just involved in racing in any capacity, or even if you don't even like the games, right, you have to acknowledge that they have raised purses. So as a result, you've got fuller fields and better horses, which is a horse thing I like. And I think everybody who loves horse racing likes is, you know, hey, more horses, better horses. This is what we want. So... Even if the gaming doesn't appeal to you, it has been a boon for the industry. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we touched on it briefly. I want to get to our races real quick, but it would absolutely shut down Kentucky Downs. That's a given. Um, And uh, tumbling dice from there could easily be Ellison Turfway, leaving the state with only Churchill and, and Keeneland, which would be terrible for, for the horsemen for the industry but i digress i've got byron king with us he keeps his ear to the ground he has to wash it extra hard in the shower every day and uh, we're going to go now <laughs> to uh the fairgrounds we got, we got three races from the fairgrounds uh the the the, the first one is the, the risen star stakes uh, presented by lamarck ford Ronnie Lamarck, who used to partner up with uh, my old boss, Louis Roussel, uh, on a horse by the name of Risen Star. I got to see him before he was named when I was hosting a handicapping seminar down there, and we needed a horse to show how equipment went on and what different equipment was. And he brought out this horse, and I said, who's that, Louis? He says, well, he's an unraced son of Secretariat. We're not sure what we're going to name him yet. <laughs> Turned out to be Risen Star. <laughs> wow, that's a great story. I had no idea you worked down there, John. That's that's fantastic. I, I actually um, have some Louis ties, too. So Louis... A few years later, post-Risen Star, I met Louis Roussel, and, and Louis helped me get my first job on the racetrack when I was a teenager, and I ended up as a hot walker, but it was through an introduction to Louis Roussel, so, man, we we both got ties to Louis. Oh, well, off air, you and I are going to have to talk, because I was sent down there to replace a legend, Alan Blackcat Lacombe, and let me tell oh, you... Oh, wow. It, it ain't easy replacing a legend, but Alan's better days had gone by him. I, we digress. We got to get into some handicapping here. Well, the Risen Star um, 
is wide open. Uh, it looked like that the, the LeCompte, uh, that's the prep for this race, uh, is going to be the key race. The, the first four finishers are back. Now, most impressive in that race, of course, was Midnight Bourbon. And uh, I went back and I watched the race. And I, I'm looking at some of these uh, comments by the track man. And it's like, bumped at the break, uh, you know, bumped it. They, they weren't. They were barely brushed. You see it every day, Byron. Um, so th- there, were, there weren't any huge excuses in there. Um, but again, you've got uh, Midnight Bourbon. Uh, you've got Proxy. Uh, and then you've got Santa Cruiser, uh, who was fourth. And Mandaloon, uh, who... Um, uh, ended up uh, in the in the third spot, and there was only like a length and a head separating the top three. Um, was there anybody that floated to the top uh, uh, of, of this group for you? Well, actually, I'm going in an entirely different direction. So I'm going to go with Senior Buscador. I have him I in my it. Derby Dozen it. for the Blood Horse. And so uh, I'm really anticipating a, a strong effort from him. I really liked his two races at Remington Park, including the Springboard Mile. He won that one going away by nearly six lengths. He is a poor gate horse. He usually spots them two out of the break, but, man, it's like he shot out of the cannon down the stretch. And I think a mile and an eighth long stretch at the fairgrounds is going to be up his alley. Um, so I like Senior Buscador. And Mandaloon, who adds blinkers, so I think he's got the potential to improve with blinkers added. Well, Byron, one of my favorite handicapping angles is change of equipment followed by a bullet work. And that's exactly what we have on Mandaloon. Those are my notes. And going back and watching LeCompte, the track man did say finish willingly, and I have an underlined yes with an exclamation point. So Mandaloon will be one to watch. Brad Cox, Florence Giroux, wow. And then as far as Senior Buscador, um, you know, what a great closing kick. And quite frankly, you know, he, he's a son of mine shaft. Um, he seems to just get better, and his buyers prove it, as, as the distances get longer. So I am in complete lockstep with you, Mr. Byron King, on that race. Uh, so, but I was pointing out the LeCompte solid, solid prep, you know, obviously um, Midnight Bourbon, probably go off the slight favorite, uh, was very impressive in the LeCompte, got the job done wire to wire, but we'll see if those other two horses can't be part of it. Alright, for the girls, and don't forget, we're getting into big points races with these two, now it's uh, 50, 20, 10, and 5 for the Oaks, and this has uh, always been a pretty key race, the Rachel Alexandra going a mile and a 16th um charlie's penny the silver bullet day was the key race coming into here we got the one two three finishers of that race and then the golden rod down at churchill downs uh we got the one two finishers in here so we we got legitimate talent in this race oh it's it's uh this race is amazing in terms of its Productivity leading up to the Kentucky Oaks. I mean, half of the last 14 Kentucky Oaks winners have raced in this spot. Uh, that's amazing. So uh, it is a race that fits in timing-wise. People love to run here because they can come back in either the Fairgrounds Oaks or the Ashland Stakes at Keeneland and then head into uh, the um, Long Longines uh, Kentucky Oaks. But 
what I have here is I think you've got the horses, you've got the one-two finishers from the Goldenrod and Travel Column and Clarier. And I'm going to take a shot with Clarier, who was beaten in the Goldenrod, was second in there. Uh, but I think she might have perhaps a little more upside. She's by Curlin, and those types are usually late developing, and Steve Asmussen trains, and besides being a Hall of Famer, he's very good at getting his uh, horses to develop with age and maturity. And But clearly, Travel Column is the one to beat in there, running for Brad Cox, and having already beaten her once before. But I like Clarier and having the rail, and we should point out too, John, that there is a chance we could be looking at an off-track or potentially some races on the grass either being soft or taken off because they were rained out at the fairgrounds today on Thursday and more rain is forecast through Saturday. So there is the potential for some wet going. Well, then we'll have to adjust our handicapping a little bit. Uh, Probably a horse that's going to get a lot of backing from the public will be Charlie's Penny, uh, who won the Silver Bullet Day. Uh, Horse has got a weird – go back and look at that replay. The the horse uh, – it's got – you've heard it said before, an egg beater stride. Uh, she kind of had that, but she got the job done. So, you know, it's kind of like Ali Dar. You know, if they won't change leads, but they're still winning graded stakes races, let them go on. So it, it, this is going to be a very, very uh, interesting race. Byron King gives us Clarier from the Asmussen barn. Oh, my God. Curlin is just on, just doing fantastic. Well, I, I didn't want to leave the fairgrounds, even though this one has no implication on the Oaks or uh, – the, the Derby, but it, it's the mine shaft. And uh, this is for four and up, grade three, 200,000. But it, interesting storylines for you writers out there is uh, the return, or I shouldn't say the return, she already came back. But Maxfield, she's he's four years old, four lifetime starts, has never been beaten, uh, won the Breeders' Futurity, won the Matt Wynn, now has already won with its only trip over the track. And I uh, went back and watched the Tenacious. Again, the one, two, three finishers. We're seeing a lot of familiar faces race against each other. Um, just one left-handed tap by Flo. And I noticed that that, that Florent Giroux took off Wells Bayou to ride Maxfield. I kind of like that little uh, tip of the hand. Well, and he does not. We should point out that. Brad Cox trains Wells Bayou, um, so he's taking off, you know, his main backer. Uh, but, um, I mean, Maxfield's a, a really good horse. I mean, he's a great one winner. He's four for four. Should point out, though, he got sick after the Tenacious. Apparently, it only sent him back a week or so. But I didn't know sometimes that. Sometimes i found that when horses get sick, sometimes, and I'm not sure if, you know, however he was treated. But a lot of times they'll go on antibiotics and stuff. And I don't know what it is, but, you know, sometimes they can come back just a little dull, just, you know, something. There was just a little bump in the road. So I, I, I'm not saying that's a vulnerability in him, but he's four to five. And, you know, when there's uh, that is just a, a slight cause for pause for me. I'm going to take a shot with six to one enforceable in here. This is a horse that ran his best races at the fairgrounds last year. He won the Lecomte. He was second in the division of the Risen Star. And he just had a beautiful win 
the other day at fairgrounds back on January the 17th. Now, my one concern is there's not a lot of pace in here. There's only two speed horses, Wells Bayou, and then on the outside, Blackberry Wine. Blackberry Wine was entered in one of the grass races, the fairgrounds stakes, and I believe their intention is to run in there if that race comes off the grass. So if he does, that kind of will influence the pace picture a little bit. So um, that's food for thought as well. But I'm going to take a shot with the, the fairgrounds loving enforceable. Uh, who had a great wake-up call <clears throat> in its last race. The optional claimer ran a 103 buyer, uh, the best of this son of Tappet's career. All right, <clears throat> now we're going to take a uh, left-hand turn and go all the way out to Golden Gate Fields uh, for the El Camino Real Al. Uh, and this race does have points, but it's the 10-4-2-1 of the... Uh, the, the Derby prep season races, but nonetheless, <clears throat> kind of interesting angle. Uh, th- there's only four horses in this field that are nominated to the Kentucky Derby. And I really think that this is kind of a stepping off point for the trainers and their connections to see, should we continue on? Should we, should we maybe move on one of the bigger races here on the West coast or shop around, find something in Oakland or whatever. And uh, so I kind of settled in on this Ron Bauer, uh, who's trained by Mike McCarthy. And uh, I also liked uh, Petruccio, uh, who's a Richard Mandela trainee and a son of Into Mischief. You know, those are two of the horses I was going to mention as well. Um, I'm going to go with Petruccio. I think Petruccio is a horse that, to be honest with you, when I moved to this race, I kind of struggled with it because there wasn't anybody that made me go, oh, I really love that horse. I think, as you mentioned, and that's reflected in the fact that, you know, not all of these are Triple Crown nominated. This is not, you know, a, a vintage derby prep. But I do think in Petruccio's case, he seems like he's improving. They gelded him. Uh, after he was kind of slow to get going in his debut and his first couple races. And, and he came around when he got more distance and he won a race at Del Mar on the grass. And then was just a, you know, a respectable third in the low South futurity. Um, that wasn't a great race, but I do think he's just taking these little incremental streaks forward. And I think sometimes, you know, with some of these horses that show positive turf form, they'll handle the synthetic track which is what they have there at Golden Gate Field. So I like Petruccio, but at the same time, Ron Bauer is certainly the horse that's kept the best company. He's fifth in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, second in the American Pharaoh last year, but he is making his first start of the year. All right. <clears throat> well, you heard it from Byron King, everybody. Don't forget, late-breaking news. The legislation has moved forward uh, on the Kentucky State Historical Horse Racing Bill. How about that? Late breaking news. Thanks a million, Byron. I want to thank Tim Ham for joining us, too. Most importantly, I want to thank you for supporting Winning Ponies. We hope to see you next week. If you got a friend that couldn't catch the show, hey, we're going to be on podcast. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week. 
and may your photos always be winners.